Thanks for taking some time to listen to this message on the Elevate Church podcast. We believe that God will speak to you wherever you are. Now, let's prepare our hearts and hear what God has for us today. In fact, can you guys do me a favor and can we welcome everyone joining us online at the 10 o'clock time? Let's celebrate those guys. We're honored that you're here. And for everybody in overflow, isn't it awesome that we have overflow? Come on, let's give it up for those guys too. Amen. God is on, on the move and we just need to be aware of all that he's doing. Last week we kicked off uh, our new Explore, which was our former crash course, you know, kind of journey that we take people on. And we had 34 people try to get into that little room. And you're, I know some of you are one of them. And I'm sorry about that. So we added a time. We invited people to come back to 8.30. And we're having it again at the 11.30 time. And it's just, I love it. I love it. You know, we planted this church 11 years ago today. How awesome is that? 11 years ago. And I remember that day like it was yesterday. I remember, you know, just kind of that faith that it took to, to launch out into the unknown, to really send it and really plant a church here, and God has been on the move, and I'm grateful for all that he's done, but let me just remind us, like the church is not a building, you're the church, and I believe this, Christ in you that is the hope of the world, and so let's continue to, to move with God as God is moving in our city. I want to talk to you today about a guy who had this syndic kind of spirit more than maybe anyone else in God's word. Uh, it's a guy named Peter. And Peter was this guy who was willing to take risks. Peter was a, a, an apostle of Jesus. He was a guy who preached the very first message when the church kind of first began and 3,000 people gave their life to follow Jesus. Peter was this guy who had a little bit of a cussing problem, like some of you, right? Peter was a guy who'd say, man, I'm Christian. I love Jesus, but I cuss a little bit. You know, I've seen that t-shirt before. Peter chopped off a brother's ear one time. And Jesus is like, don't do that. And he picked it up and he put it back on his head. <laughs> Peter would send it. And so if we're going to have this kind of spirit that sends it, I'm just saying we should look at one of the guys in God's word who lived this way. And if you want to know kind of the, like a spiritual definition for send it, I would say it's this. You can write this down. Uh, but I would say it's to live your life in such a way that you have no choice but to depend on God. That's what it means to send it. And I think it's up there somewhere. It might not be. But to live your life in such a way, you have no other choice but to depend on God. Because that's really where the greatest rewards are in your life. When you and I just kind of depend fully on him. When we head out into deeper water that's over our heads and allow God to move in our, our life. It's this God-given ability to step out in faith and to, to succeed in the calling that he's placed in your, your heart. I was reading something from Angela Lee Duckworth. She's a, a PhD, an author, New York Times bestseller, uh, uh, doctor of psychology, I believe. But she asked this question and she asked, why is it that some people succeed when others don't? Like, what is it about them? What are some character traits that, that causes some people to succeed while others don't? And she looked at it across all different contexts. In fact, she studied um, cadets at West Point, and it was like, why do some succeed in their training when others, others fail? All the way to, why do some kids advance further in the National Spelling Bee and others don't? Like, I certainly would not have. Um, and to why some teachers, like, succeed and, and um, last longer 
and are more impactful in certain school districts while others. So all across these boards, they're asking this question, what is it that the difference is? And they came down to one characteristic, one characteristic that stood head and shoulders above all the others. And you know what it was not that caused people to succeed? It was not talent. It was not intelligence. It wasn't good looks, because if it was good looks, then my wife would be the CEO of Amazon. <laughs> Valentine's Day is coming up. She's <laughs> watching online right now, I think. We have a sick one at home. But it wasn't talent, it wasn't good looks. It was not the cards that you were dealt with in life that de determined whether or not you were successful. You know what it was? It was something she called grit perseverance is this ability to to step out and persevere it was this send it kind of of spirit and so my prayer has been for this series that this would be the rally cry of this house that this would be a house that is known just to send it and let's take risks let's do anything you know short of sin to reach people who are who are far from from God and so we're going to look at this guy named Peter um, apostle, and I'm entitling this message, A Send It Spirit. If you're someone who likes to write down notes, take notes, and entitle things. And so, A Send It Spirit. Is anyone afraid of heights? Raise your hand. Just be honest. Are you afraid of heights? Um, I'm not. I was not born with that part of my, my brain that told me not to do stupid things, like most guys in this room. And I don't mind heights. You know, there's a lot of things I am afraid of, but I had the privilege of just this week taking my oldest son, who is a senior in high school, and we only have a couple more months with him until he goes off to Highlands College in August. And so I had the privilege of taking him to Colorado to go snowboarding. And we went to Breckenridge. And Breckenridge has the highest uh, ski lift in North America. Uh, it's the Imperial Ski Lift, and you, we have a picture of it. And it stands a mere 12,840 feet above sea level. Like, it's high. It's up there. Like, the air is thin. You know, it's kind of hard to breathe a little bit. But this was like a dream trip, you know, from, for him. And it's just kind of one of those things where, man, it's just father, son. It was a great time together before he goes. And, and we just got up there. And then we climbed up even further to the top of where, you know, it was above that even and just sent it. In fact, I have a video of Wade just sending it, just like going down the hill. And this is a plunge from... You know, the height of that, a 3,000 foot plus vertical drop all the way to the bottom. It's crazy. And it just kind of jumps off the side. That's him just going for it. He's out. He's gone. And of course, I followed him because, you know, that's what I do. We just send it. In fact, later on down there, you can, you'll be able to see these little things like at the bottom of the hill. They're just like, they look like ants, but it's people that are so far down there skiing. Now, I want to contrast that with another couple that I saw that same day. This other couple went up the ski lift, and I think they were newlyweds, I'm not sure. It was a young guy and a young girl, and as soon as they got off the lift, I mean, she didn't make it, she fell. She was on her snowboard. She ripped it off, and she punched him. <laughs> and she was using all these choice words about him. Like there's this very, you know, public fight disagreement that they were having. And she was so mad. She was crying. She's punching him. She's like, I can't believe you brought me up here. She goes and sits down. And 45 minutes later, after we'd gone up and down a few times, she was still sitting there. 
And I think eventually Ski Patrol had to take her down the hill. And if they were newlyweds, well, that sucks, right? That's not going to last very long. <laughs> not exactly sure. But I think those are two different experiences that really kind of um, uh, are a great picture for how human beings send it into the unknown. Because we all are, by the way. Like, none of us have been here before. None of us have been in, in February 2023. We're all rookies when it comes to February 2023. Some of you are stepping out into the unknown, into a new season, maybe a new job, perhaps, a new position. Maybe you are stepping out into, um, you know, disappointment, or you've had, you know, expectations that went unmet. You're embracing new norms, or you're embracing a challenging, you know, kind of time in your life. But here's what I know. None of us are called to hunker down and sit down and play it safe. None of us are called to wait for a ski patrol to come take us down the hill that God has given you this spirit to send it. It's inside of you. It's inside of each one of us. It's this gritty kind of faith to go all in. And so my message to us today is that you have more of a send it spirit than you think you do. You do. If you are in Christ, you are a determined, passionate, faith-filled giant killer because that's how he's created us in Christ to do great things for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. And that might not be everybody in this room. Some of you are kicking the tires of faith and just trying to figure out what it means to be a follower of Jesus. But however, if you are in Christ, you have the Holy Spirit of God, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. So you have more of the ascendant spirit in you than you think you do. And I want to look at the life of Peter and what he did. And I think we're going to pull some things out of Matthew chapter 14, what it looks like for us to live this way and where we can get more of it. Are you ready for the word? All right, Matthew 14. Uh, if you don't have a Bible, it'll be up here on the, the screens. We'll start in verse 22. It says this, that immediately after this, and that immediately after this refers to after Jesus fed the 5,000 with fish and bread. Like this 5,000 men, by the way, doesn't count the women and the children in that number. And so it, it, it was thousands and thousands of people. So immediately after that happened, Jesus insisted that his disciples get back into the boat and cross to the other side of the lake while he sent the people home. After sending them home, he went up onto the hill by himself to pray. Night fell while he was there alone. And meanwhile, here we go, the disciples were in trouble far from land for a strong wind had risen and they were fighting the heavy waves. At about three in the morning, Jesus came toward them walking on the water. Of course he did. He's Jesus, right? Because that is easier than walking around the lake. So he's just going to walk right through it. When the disciples saw him coming on the water, they were terrified and in their fear cried out, it's a ghost. But Jesus spoke to them at once and said, don't be afraid. Take courage. I am here. And that, that, that word, uh, the original word is like him saying the I am. Like maybe you've heard that in the Old Testament, the I am is here. The, the one who holds all this in their hand is here. The I am is here. Then Peter called to him and said, Lord, if it's really you, then tell me to come to you on the water. Don't you love that about Peter? Like that's you, I wanna go. 
And some of you, you have that spirit inside of you too. Like, I want, let me get out of this thing. Like, I see you doing it. Like, I want to follow you. But what I love even more than the question that Peter asks is Jesus's response. Because what does he say? Sure. Let's go. Come on. Like, what? It's, it's, it's the wind is coming. The waves are, are, are crashing, you know, over the boat. What? And he's like, yeah, come on. Let's go. Hey, somebody needs to know you should be careful what you ask God for because the answer just might be yes. Hey, God, I want to do this. All right, let's go. What are you waiting for? Get out of the boat. And so, so Peter went over the side of the boat. Peter got out and he walked on water toward Jesus. That's crazy. There are three things in this, I think, that we can see from ascendant spirit and how to get more of it from Matthew 14. The first one is this. Ascendant spirit knows, write this down, our greatest growth opportunity is found beyond our comfortability. Your greatest growth. How many of you know you don't grow in your comfort zone? You just don't. Like it's hard for us to, to grow when we're comfortable. It's the stretching that causes growth in our life. It's stepping out beyond that comfort zone for us to, to grow. And some of us have been under the impression that following Jesus somehow promises us a stormless life. I don't know where you got that. I don't know who, who told you that, but it's not true. Because remember, Jesus is the omniscient one. He's the guy that, that sent the disciples in the boat in the first place. He knew that there would be a storm, you know, a windstorm that was, was coming. So Jesus does not promise a stormless life. However, he promises to be an anchor in every storm in your life. He will hold you. He will meet you right in the middle of it. And I think it's interesting that he just gets done feeding 5,000 people. And I was thinking about comfort and he was feeding them comfort food. And so as he's feeding them comfort food, right, they love him. But when Jesus starts to confront them, they leave him. And doesn't that sound a lot like us? When we're getting the stuff from God's word that makes us comfortable, we're good. But some of us like to, to think God's word is a buffet where we get to pick and choose the stuff that we like and don't like. And the stuff that doesn't go down so well, we leave him. Are you with me? And so I think it's funny. And a lot of us, um, I think, we associate uh, Christ with comfort. And we associate the devil, you know, with with, with disruption, when it could be that the devil is the one who wants to keep you comfortable and it's God who wants to disrupt your regularly scheduled programming in your life. Are you with me? Like he wants us to get out of our comfort zone. When was the last time you had a moment where God disrupted your life? When was the last time there was a moment, I'll say it this way, where the omniscient one disagreed with you on something that you were doing? Because I think the creator of the universe disagreeing with you should be a fairly common occurrence. Don't you? Unless you figured it all out. And you know something that we don't know. But I think he should be disagreeing with you in your life. I know he does with me. Otherwise, it could be you are making God into your image instead of the other way around. And that's a dangerous thing to do. Like when was the last time Jesus, Jesus kind of called you out on that secret sin pattern that's in your life? When's the last time you want to disrupt something, the, some way that you were, you were living? And I get it. I'm, I'm also a creature of comfort. 
Like, I'll change out of these jeans into some joggers within 20 minutes of being done today. Like, I will. You know, I I love my comfort. I love predictability. And I love, it's why, you know, I will always try to talk Kristen into watching, you you know, old seasons of Survivor rather than watching something new. Because it's comfortable. It's predictable. It's why I'll go to Blaze Pizza. You know, I could go every single day and I'd order the same thing, a cauliflower crust pizza with buffalo sauce, with heavy chicken, four meatballs, heavy broccoli, (laughs) banana peppers, and half of it with grape tomatoes. You know, and Kristen and I split it. Like, I'll do that rather than go someplace new. Why? Because I'm a creature of comfort. Anybody else? That's why I'll say, honey, let's just watch, you know, The Office again, you know, for the fourth time. Because I need something funny and familiar. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with comfort. I'm I'm saying, though, that it's overrated. And that God does his best work in our lives when we are out of our comfort zone. Nobody grows in their comfort zone. Peter's comfort zone was chilling in a boat. That's what he knew. Like with with his boys, that was familiar to them. But Jesus shows up walking on the water, and Peter's God-given spirit inside of him, he says, man, I know you want to stay in this boat. I know this is comfortable for you, but there's something in you that wants to get out of it more than stay in it. And there's something inside of you too that God's placed in there that wants to get out of that thing that is causing you comfort more than you just to stay in it because you are not growing through it. Are you with me? It's not causing the growth in your life that you are are looking for. We can talk about breakthrough all day. But if you want to just stay right where you are, comfortable and secure, you will never experience it. So Peter gets out even though he's afraid. So what are you saying, Colby? I'm saying do it afraid. Do it afraid. Fear is not the, the enemy of your faith. Familiarity is the enemy of your faith. Being comfortable. This is what Harv Ecker said. He said this, nobody... I love this, ever died of discomfort. Yet living in the name of comfort has killed more ideas and more opportunities and more growth than anything else combined. He said, comfort kills. Comfort kills. You're free to disagree with me if you want to and be wrong about this if you want. But I think think Christians have two major obsessions. We have comfort and calling. And we want both of those. I mean, this is week two of, of our, you know, our, our explore, you know, kind of, kind of track here. And week two is all about finding out the me that I was born to be. And, and at some point you need to jump in on that if you haven't done that. But we're all trying to, to live in both comfort and calling at the same time. In fact, we'll often believe that, well, if I'm, you know, if, if I'm doing my calling, then it's going to be easy. And if, if it's not easy, then something must be, be wrong. And that's not, that's not true. I would say your biggest problem is that you don't think you're going to have any problems. That you're going to experience trouble. That's what Jesus told us. In this world, you will have trouble. But take heart, I've overcome the world. Comfort and calling. And a lot of times they don't go together. I, I remember 11 years ago to this day. When we launched this church, um, you know, Kristen and I, here's, here's a picture of my family. In fact, we're standing in the, the Harding School lobby, like, and we look okay. You know, that's when we only had three kids and we should have stopped there, but that's another story another time. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I love my, my fourth little guy in tow. Um, but what you don't see 
in this, this picture is how terrified I am. If I'm being honest, how uncomfortable I am. Like, I, I'm, I'm shaking. I'm like, what are we doing? This was launch day. What are we doing? God, how did we get here? What if this doesn't work? What if nobody comes back the next week? Like, I was, I was terrified. I'm just telling you, for the last 11 years, I have never been more uncomfortable and I have never grown more in my life. I have never been more uncomfortable, right? But I've never felt more alive. Do you know why? Because it's that pattern of growth and it's not just for me, it's the same for you. When you're uncomfortable, where you just step out of, you know, all right, serve, all right, I'm gonna serve. It's uncomfortable for me, but I'm gonna do it. Or get into a group. When God called me to, to be a part of a group, I'm like, all right, I'll, I'll do it. It's out of my comfort zone, but, but I know I, I need relationships or, or lead a group. Okay, I'll do it. Or, or worship. Man, I remember the first time that I sang a song on the, the, the stage at a church. I was terrified. But every single time I stepped beyond my comfort zone, God met me there. All of these things, plant a church, move to a city, all these things I felt called to, none of these things have I ever felt ready for. I'd say if you feel ready for it, hmm? everything I felt called to, I've never felt equipped to do. And if you feel like, listen to me, if you feel like you're called to something but not ready for it, it could be that's the sweet spot right where Jesus wants you because that's when he does his best work in your life for those who feel called but not equipped. Those who feel called but not ready. Because now it means that you don't stand a chance unless God shows up. Are you with me? You don't stand a chance. And that keeps you desperate for God to move in your life. And desperation really is the key. Desperation really cracks the code on the power of the Holy Spirit working in and through your life. So let me just ask you this question. I'll move on. Are you stretching yourself? Like, are you? Are you stepping out of your, your comfort zone? Because that is where you, you grow. For some of you, you got to join a group. Or you have to start a group. Maybe God's put that on your heart and you've just never taken that step. Sometimes people will, will come up to me and say, Colby, we need to do this. We need to do this. We need to do this. And I'm like, hey, it sounds like God's put that on your heart. <laughs> sounds like you need to do that. Like, what are you waiting for, right? Maybe you have to step out of that comfort zone and have that conversation that you've been putting off. Maybe you have to, to get out of that friend group that you know is keeping you stuck in that same addiction. Maybe you have to get out of that relationship that you know is not God's best for your life, but because it's comfortable, you've stayed there. So are you growing? Are you stepping out of it? Maybe it's writing a book. Maybe it's, maybe it's you know, planting a church. Maybe it's going to uh, an, another city. Maybe it's forgiving someone, confessing something. I'm just telling you, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. So even if you're afraid, do it afraid. Even if you're uncomfortable, like I don't think God wants you leaving here comfortable today. And I'm not telling you this is easy. I'm telling you, you'll be glad that you did because you will never grow more in your, your life. Here's the, the second thing. I want you to write this down. Ascendant spirit faces the facts but never loses faith. That's what it does. It faces facts. But it doesn't lose the faith that you, you have. So Pete is on the water in verse 30. And this is what it says. 
But when he saw the strong wind and the waves, he was terrified and began to sink. And he shouted, save me, Lord. Now, on the surface level, we could read that and go, wow, Peter, where's the faith, man? Like what happened? In fact, that's what Jesus even says next. It's like, where's where's the, the faith? But I read that and I go, that whole verse is faith. Like the entire thing is, is faith. You know why? Because the entire thing is surrender. Because he's out on the water. He took a step. He surrendered to do that. And then he realized, I cannot do this on my own. I am in trouble here. I need something bigger than me, something beyond me to save me. And so he cries out to a savior and says, save me. In other words, he, he realized his, his current condition. And he had to admit where he was. And he called out for Jesus. You know what? That's a picture of all of us. Because all of us are our sinners. We have to realize our current condition of sin. And I know that's not a popular word. In fact, our world would have you believe that sin is not even a, a real thing sometimes. Trying to pretend that it does not exist. But to me, I'm like, man, it's the most obvious thing on earth. You know why? Because I know me. Because I know my sin. And I know my, my issues. And if Colby could fix Colby, guess what? He would have done it already. If you could have fixed you, you would have done it already. So we have to get to that place in our life where we realize our desperation for a savior and cry out, save me. I need you, God. So it's a sinless spirit to face the facts, the fact of, of sin in our life, the fact of or the comfort in our life, but cry out to Jesus at the same time. Faces facts, but never loses faith. There was a guy named Jim Stockdale who was a, a POW in Vietnam for seven years. He was in a prison camp and he was tortured. Uh, he writes in his biography over 20 times. In fact, he didn't even remember the exact number. And when he came out because he survived, everyone asked him, how did you do it? How did you survive that torture? How did you survive those, those conditions? And he said two things, and these two things have become known as the, the Stockdale paradox. He said, first of all, I maintained an unwavering faith that I would prevail in the end. Like, no matter what, I just maintained faith that I was going to prevail. And number two, listen to this. He said, I confronted the brutal facts of my present reality. So he did not hide his head in the sand. He wasn't an ostrich hiding in the sand saying there is no lion, there is no lion. He said, no, I know my reality. I know where I, I am. And that's how he, he survived. And they asked him, they said, well, what about the ones who didn't survive? He said, that's easy. And without hesitation, he said, those were the optimists. Those were the ones who thought this Christmas, I'm going to get out. This Easter is going to happen. And then it didn't happen. And so, right, the next Christmas or the, the next Easter, it's going to, going to happen. And he said they were continually devastated to the point where it ultimately ended them. You have to have faith to face the facts. Faith is so much more than optimism. You know that, right? It's, it's, it, it, faith is, is not afraid to face the reality of your condition. It's not afraid to, to face the truth. Like, God is not surprised by your storm. You need to know that. He's not surprised. He knows what you are, are going in, the situation that's in front of you. In fact, it's faith that allows you to face it. And I would say this, until you, you face it, your faith won't fix it. 
Like you have to first face the brutal facts of your current condition. Well, Colby, it's not an addiction. I just have a bad habit. Are you sure? You know, I don't, I don't need to, you know, I, you know, my spending is a little out of control. You know, I do spend more than I make, but I'm going to, you know, I just won't look at my credit card balance for the next couple months and I'll be okay. Really? Is that how it works? Like we have to face the brutal facts of our reality. And I was reading this and thinking, this is the great unifier, is it not? Like because we are all on some level professional pretenders. Like every single one of us. Which is why some of you keep pretending that your, your Starbucks latte is a coffee instead of a milkshake. <laughs> I like coffee. You like milk and sugar. And if you were to freeze that bad boy, it's a milkshake. All right, I'm just sorry to tell you. Like we are professional pretenders, but a spirit that sends it is one that, that encompasses idealism and realism at the same time. I mean, I have hope for my future. But I also am not ignoring my current condition. You know, what, you know what that does? That is a recipe for breakthrough in your life. When you say, I have hope for financial freedom. I have hope for breakthrough. But I'm not ignoring the fact that I, that I spend more than I make. Not ignoring the fact that I'm in debt. I'm not ignoring, but, but I still have hope for it. Right? Are you with me? Like, that's what, that's what this, this does. I'm believing for better. I'm believing for, I'm believing for the six-pack, but I'm not ignoring the fact that i got to face the plank, you know, or the, the crunch, the, you know, whatever, ab roller thing. <laughs> face the facts. And when you do that, you should know this. That's not weakness. It's actually a strength. It's actually a strength to say, you know what? Mm, that might be an addiction. I can't give up drinking for a month. I used to call it, it was just casual. And I just had one or two every night, but I can't give it up for a month. huh? Or maybe I, I haven't forgiven that person. I thought that that wound would heal by now. I thought that there was an expiration date on me holding that offense. Like you got to face the brutal facts of where you, you are, but never lose Faith, because here's what John 8, 32 says, you will know the truth and the truth will what? That's how you get free. God is not interested in blessing who you are pretending to be. He wants to bless who you really are. Face the facts, face the facts. You remember that episode in the office, my office fans? If not, I think it's season five, uh, episodes 23 through 25. So no, none of that I'm counting. <laughs> But it's when uh, Michael Scott leaves Dunder Mifflin to start his own paper company. You remember that one? And Pam goes with him, and they fail miserably. They can't sell anything. Nobody believes in them. And Pam is having this freak-out moment in the back of the car like, what did I do? I just left my job. You know, your grandmother doesn't even believe in us. We have no food. We have no water. Our pets' heads are falling off. That's a different show altogether. But she's freaking out. And Michael Scott, in one of those rare, endearing kinds of moments, gives her some fatherly truth. And he says, hey, kiddo. He calls her kiddo. He says, hey, kiddo, like you quit your job. I quit my job. That's the reality. That's where we are. So we, that's our starting point. And he said this, oh, so we have to sell things. And he said, I do my best work when people don't believe in me. And you know what? He did not give her good news. But it grounded her to say, this is my starting point. 
For some of you, like this conviction might not be good news in your life, the thing that needs to change, the reality of where you are. But hey, it's at least a starting point. Now you know what to do. Now you know the step that you need to take. Now you know the risk that needs to happen in your life in order for that to be a breakthrough. That's a send it kind of spirit. It's not losing hope, but it's also not ignoring your, your reality. And just so you know this, I don't know what your reality is, but as I was praying through this even last night and just kind of working through this again, um, I need to tell somebody, no matter what you're going through, that Jesus is still on the throne, that he's still in control, that ultimately in the end you will prevail. That cancer, I know it's hard. I know it's difficult, and some of you are so discouraged by this repeated diagnosis over and over, but you need to know that God is still in control of that. Face the facts, but don't lose, lose faith. Here's the last one. I know i got to wrap this up. Number three, ascendant spirit goes again. And it goes again. It has a tenacity to, to do it again, to, to try again. This is what it says in verse 32, after Peter sinks and cries out, save me, Lord. And Jesus comes and picks him up. It says, when they climb back into the boat, the wind stopped and the disciples worshiped him. Like all of them. They said this, you really are the son of God. They exclaimed. I love that, that everyone, including Peeper, Peter, not Peeper, that's a new name for him. St. Peeper. Um, worshipped. Worship Jesus. It's, it's funny sometimes when you are reading God's word. I don't know if you've ever done this, but you kind of uh, assume what you think it's going to say next. But then what it says next is not even close to what you thought it was going to say. Because here's what my mind goes when I, when I read that. And I think they came back into the boat. I'm thinking all the other disciples are going to look at Peter and think, bro, that was dumb. Like, what are you doing, man? Like, you almost, you are almost a goner, right? Because on one hand, you could say Peter walking on water, that was, that was a great moment. That was a, a moment of success. But on the other hand, you could also say it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And Peter finished drowning. Are you with me? And so I read that and I think, man, look at these guys. Like, like does nobody care that Peter was almost, you know, a goner? He's probably in the boat. He's probably shaking. He's probably, you know, shivering. You know, he's wet. And what's crazy is Peter doesn't care either. That as soon as Jesus gets into the boat, all the attention, all the eyes, all the focus, all the worship goes to him. And they start worshiping the one who met them in the storm. They start worshiping the one who anchored them in the middle of this storm. And that's so powerful to me. Because let's just say Peter failed, however you want to call it. Even if you, you look at it as a failure, Peter was still the closest in proximity to Jesus than anyone else. Peter still wanted to be as close to Jesus as he could be. And he was as close in, in geographic proximity to Jesus as anybody. And I think Peter is onto something with this. Because we have a weird fear of failure. A fear of failure, that spirit of fear, causes us not to take steps, causes us not to, to step out of the boat. And we read stories like this and we go, man, that's failure. That's failure. 
Can you believe this guy? That's, that's failure. And what I want us to do is rewrite the narrative of what it means to, to fail. Because you will either fail your way to ultimately success or you will never try your way to failure. And that's what a lot of people do. We just never try. We just never get out. Failure in our life is nothing more than a pit stop on the road to success. In fact, I might even say this. You can't ultimately succeed unless you fail a few times along the way. Now, I'll have the band come help me close this out. But have you ever seen a, an infant, like a baby, when they're taking their first step, start to walk? You know what that's like? Because babies are, you know, they've got tiny bodies and they got big round heads and eventually gravity kind of takes over. <laughs> and so they, you get up, they kind of hold their hands and they like take step, step, step. And then their head is like Sputnik. It kind of falls and they're like, it's either take another step or, or die or fall down, right? I remember we were watching uh, one of our sons. We have a video of him, of him walking. And I don't know which one that is, by the way, because they all just kind of, you know, I'm just kidding. That's gray. Let's watch that again. Can you guys run that again? I just want to see it again. That's awesome. But watch my wife's face. Pause it on that. I think uh, what happens in our life is sometimes we step, step, and we fail. And we say, Peter, you drowned. We step, 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 fail. We step, 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 fail. And a lot of times we think, man, what were we thinking? What were we doing? I'm just a failure. I just messed up. But you know what the Bible tells us in Hebrews? That there is a great cloud of witnesses that's looking down, watching you run your race, follower of Jesus. And so I think it'd be easy for us to say they're looking down and no one, no one is thinking, Man, when, when a baby falls, no one's going, hey, what's wrong with that kid? Right? Nobody says that. Nobody says, you know, I did not say, hey, that's your genetics, Kristen. That's not mine. The Atkins are walkers. We're walkers. We're all walkers. We've always been walkers. You know, what did we do? Come on, what did we do? We get so excited. We're like, just, you did it. I mean, you did it. You think anybody was looking down on Peter going, what's wrong with you? No, I think people in heaven were going, are you kidding me right now? There was a guy, a human other than God who just walked on water. I know it was only a couple of steps, but he did it. He did it. And I just feel like some of you that have been in and out maybe of rehab, in and out of of sin patterns in your life, you're thinking, man, God's face towards me is, I'm a failure. God's face towards me is, man, I, I thought you'd be further along than, than this by now. But can I tell you, I believe God's face towards you is one of that. Hey, I know you were in rehab for three months and then you failed, but you were sober for three months. You have freedom for three months. And next time you get out, guess what? It's going to be four. And next time after that, it's going to be five. It might even be a year. And if you fall again, you're going to fall forward because there is more in you that I have for you. Don't look at, let's rewrite the narrative of failure. Let's rewrite it. 
And God's just excited when you take that first step. God's excited when you have that, that faith to get out of the boat. God's excited when you and I move beyond our, our zones of comfort because he knows that's where he grows us the most. What was it Thomas Edison said? He, he said, you know, I did not, I did not fail 10,000 times. I just found 10,000 ways not to make a light bulb. And I think we'd all agree that he made one of the most, you know, needed inventions of our life because he was willing to do it again and again and again and again. Some of you, I know you've tried before, but I believe God's just begging you, just try again. Would you stand up and bow your heads and close your eyes? God, every single one of us in this room, I know at times feel like we failed, feel like we've fallen short because we have, but sometimes we take those experiences and we beat ourselves up. And God, you are not looking to, to beat us up, but to build us up, for us to, to fall forward for us to get up and just to, to do it again and do it again because you have not called us to hunker down and stay safe and stay calm, but you have called us to grow. And the only way we can do that is to take a step out into deeper water where we are solely dependent upon you. And so Holy Spirit, I pray in this moment that you would help each and every one of us be uncomfortable in Jesus' name that you would have us move out where we are in over our heads so that we have no choice but to depend on you. Let's worship. Thanks for checking out this week's message on the Elevate Church podcast, and we hope you really enjoyed it. If you made a decision to follow Jesus, congratulations, welcome to the family. We would love to know about it, so please let us know by going to elevatechurch.com slash yes. There will be some practical resources that will help you as you start this journey. If you want to support the mission and vision of Elevate Church to help people far from God reach their full potential in Christ, go to elevatechurch.com slash give. We'll see you soon. Have a great week.